Hello and welcome to the podcast of Dawn's House because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Eva. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Club number 11, Christy and the Snobs. Uh, which really should have been called Christy and the Sobs because this one is fucking brutal. <laughs> so, warning, the dog dies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is just all about the horrors of mortality. Um, so if you're not in the mood for that, just skip this one, honestly. Mm-hmm. Will we jump right in and summarize the horrible, horrible plot? Let's go. Yep. Okay. So this is obviously, it's a Christy book, and she's telling us about how she is sort of settling into living in Watson's wealthy neighborhood. Um, she likes that Watson is not like the other people in the neighborhood who she has decided all have swimming pools, tennis courts, and cooks named Agnes, which is very specific. Uh, she has not actually met any of these kids, but she's pretty convinced that they all have these things and are all terrible people. And in fairness, <laughs> the narrative that we experience um, shows that she's not 100% wrong in all of her assumptions. Um, no. That I have at one point, I was like, God, Anne M., how do you really feel about rich people? <laughs> um, <laughs> there, this is called Christy and the Snobs for a reason. There are there are two main plots, each of them like worse than the last, because one of them is incredibly sad Mm-hmm. And the other one is incredibly infuriating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit. But there is a glorious segue into accidental pop culture, which I'm looking forward to um, us all arguing about, actually. So there, there is that to look forward to. Um, but yes, I, I was actually looking at this going, I remember the opening paragraph of this book. Because at first I was like, oh, I don't really remember my details. Also- when did I read this? remembered the opening paragraph because it's such a, it's Christie's list of dislikes yeah and so if there's one thing I can't stand it's a snob well actually there are a lot of other things I can't stand cabbage blood people who chew with their mouths open and squirrels are a few of them but snobs are way up there on the list what a list that is oh my god <laughs> I was like I think it was so familiar that all of those things sort of ran together in my imagination. It's like, oh, people who chew cabbage and squirrels with their mouths open and then there's blood. Oh my God, of course you wouldn't like that. (laughs) From my perspective, I was like, cabbage, yeah, sure, that's not delicious. Blood. Christy, you're meant to be tough. You're letting me down here. Oh, you can't stand blood? You're weak? Is that what you're saying, Christy? You're weak? Wow, Mm. okay. We weren't allowed to have irrational fears in our house. (laughs) Woman up, Christy. <laughs> People who chew with their mouths open. I was like, I think I wasn't a mannerly enough child for that to bother me. Um, yeah, no, that I remember this because this was the first time I heard you weren't meant to do that. We were not big on table manners in our house. I was like, that's a thing. I mean, I was yeah. sometimes told it, but I really doubt it was anything other than literally hanging my mouth totally open and displaying <laughs> my food, you know? I remember people doing that deliberately. Yeah. for gross out purposes and it yeah. bugged me then and it bugs me bugs the hell out of me now esther a few years ago um i think we were drunk at the time you turned around to me and you were like you have a phobia about mouths and i was like what like, oh my god i think i think you're right i don't i don't like chewing and i don't like descriptions of people eating and i, I don't i don't know what this is about but anyway i remember saying this to you afterwards you were like what i don't remember this <laughs> You discovered a truth about me that I didn't know, and you didn't even remember it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I was clearly very drunk at the time, but I stand by what I said. You do have a bit of a thing about mouths. 
And I was so offended. And yet I think it is actually true. So yeah, no, I don't, I, I kind of agree with Christy on some of this. Although squirrels is, is very specific. I'm sorry. Squirrels are just cute. I don't know what uh, her problem is. I think it's that in America, they're so, I'm probably not everywhere. I don't know, but like, they're not very common here, right? You, you would have yeah. to go to a, a very wooded area to see them, but mm-hmm. like, they're just, like swarm parks and stuff in America and people's gardens mm. and they're kind of regarded more as pests, I guess. To be like not liking rats. But yet again, Christy, you're not allowed to have irrational fears in my house. So... <laughs> they do kind of mug you here in the botanical gardens in Dublin. Um do they? A, a warning to any of our American listeners. <laughs> do Don't bring too enticing of a picnic to the bots because uh <laughs> they they show up and menace you. <laughs> Christy hates People who chew squirrels with their mouths open. <laughs> and Disgusting. Also snobs. So she she wakes up. She has a touching moment of coziness with Louis, who has been sleeping on everyone's beds and bonding with them just to really stick the fucking knife in. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. She admits that Watson is not terrible because he does 50% of the housework. Mm-hmm which she reckons is down to him having been divorced and having to be on his own for a while and like getting some cop on, uh, which is just a nice little bit of character work. I think yeah. I, I appreciated that. Yeah. They all seem like all the things that he does are like cooking, cleaning, shopping, etc., And they all seem like life skills, but then it's the eighties and he's a rich white guy. So yeah. Um, I was... And her dad is trash and I bet he didn't do any of these things. Oh, there's, yes. there's that. He there definitely that. did not do any of these things. Um, I I am kind of like the, the description of it as he helps out around the house though. It's like he owns yeah. the house. <laughs> but yes, rich white guys don't tend to clean their own houses. I say in a vast generalization, but yeah. am I wrong though? Rich, rich white guys in 1988 particularly. Mm, yes. Rich millionaire white guys. Let's go with but not yeah. Christy has very specific ideas on what a good man is <laughs> and grudgingly admits that Watson ticks a couple of those boxes. <laughs> One of which is not owning a swimming pool. She's not too keen on the idea that he might get a swimming pool because that's bad rich people behaviour, mm. according mm. to Christy. Yeah. Mm. I can see where she's got that impression from. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because yes. we're about to meet the people who this oppression is based on and they're terrible so as they're getting ready to go to school uh, David Michael notices that Louis got a bit of a limp and Christy reflects on the special bond that David Michael shares with Louis Mm -hmm. because Louis loves him the most because their dad left right after David Michael was born and so Louis knew that David Michael needed a loving dog in his life the most and Mm. this was the first time when I commented with a crying emoji and not the last of many yeah Yeah. so as Christy is waiting for her school bus uh, her bus is late and some snooty girls come out waiting for their bus to take them to private school and they sort of have a minor throwdown (laughs) in which um the there's all these people are blonde there's a kind of creepy white supremacist vibe to, to Watson's yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. All the bad, bad rich people are blondes. Um, so they make fun of her having a babysitter's club because Christy's been handing out flyers. Mm-hmm. And they make fun of her for like being dressed down. So she tells them that they look like snob clones in their school uniforms and then sticks out her tongue. Because mm-hmm. if there's one thing Christy knows, it's how to de-escalate a situation. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was looking at um at this going now. Where what side does the blame lie on here? And I'm pretty sure that they're the aggressors and that uh, they yeah, yeah. they are more inclined to escalate. Even though Christy is is giving as good as she gets for sure. Yes. But um, in fact, I think it's particularly one of the blondes who wore her hair in a cascade of thick curls. That's Shannon. So yeah. we get mm-hmm. more about Shannon as the book. And let it be said for the record, I do not like Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's pretty pretty annoying. Yeah. Shannon is terrible. Uh, and so she's kind of the aggressor, although the others are also, like, they jump on the, the let's make fun of Christy bandwagon immediately. And that sets the tone for how things are going to go. The others are really just hench girls. Yes. Like, yes. I don't remember their names. I don't expect to ever see them again. They're they're literally just her, her goons. They're Crab and Goyle. <laughs> okay, that's what they're called now. Oh, yes. One of them is Shannon's older sister, I think, and that's all I know. Yeah. Hmm. Crab and Goyle. That, that, yeah. that, is, that is what they are now. <laughs> they Crab and Goyle their way through this narrative in however many numbers are convenient for the scene at hand. <laughs> yes. We have our first skippable chapter two, mm-hmm. oh, which yeah. is literally just the narrator goes to a club meeting Christy literally gives bullet points about what everyone else is like. Yeah, it's like Christy as a character is getting bored with this phase. And I'm like, Christy, it's only book 11. Yes. Like, you're going to have to settle into this. Yeah. She's like, Stacey likes boys, clothes, babysitting, dislikes, doctors. Yeah. She's literally just putting in the bare minimum here. Yeah. Um, But... Importantly, they get a sitting job in the new rich neighborhood with the Papadakis family, mm-hmm. who Karen Brewer is friends with their kids. Uh, so she knows them a little bit. I remember Hanny Papadakis, um, which is kind of nice because uh, she was a recurring character in the Karen series, which I actually started yeah. off reading sooner. And I was like, ah, they're here too. This is cool. This is the first time we see them. Um, and they are... <laughs> So I think they are people of colour living in the rich neighbourhood, which means they're actually not as terrible as the other characters. Yes, they're, they're, and, well, they're Greeks, I think. Okay, right. It's, it's Greek names, so they're okay. slightly less white, white people. They're, they're <laughs> ethnic. Yes. You're going to have to trim that out, I think. Um, yeah. I, am I not allowed to say that as a quarter greek person i think you are yeah slightly less white white people there well you are i'm not (laughs) i literally have this tagged as omg ethnic people (laughs) they turn up because she specifically describes them as having olive skin which is a nonsensical descriptor because no one is green uh, and i've never understood that term yeah but the papadakises are also held up as an example of how to be a rich person who's not a dick um, yes. And their house is described in great detail as being like a normal person house where yes. there are, you know, toys and chairs and stuff that are in, in, in places where certain other rich families that we are going to meet have gold <laughs> fountains. Yeah. I love the gold fountain. I it's love so it. bad. I don't think Anna M. Martin knows many millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> well, she previously thought they had three toaster ovens each. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, that was... That was amazing. Um, so yeah, the uh, the Papadakis, sorry, I keep derailing this. They line up a job for Christy, sitting for Hanny and Linny and the third child, who is called Sari, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Christy gets to babysit for people in her own neighbourhood. Yes. Um, which I think must be a result of her advertising in a, yeah, in a very yeah, bullish is. manner in the previous book. Yes. No, they call up and say that they saw her flyer, so they ah, wanted yeah. to hire her. Ah, um, yeah. 
so yeah, then she she gets home and Louis is feeling very listless and he walk is he gets up to walk over to her and crashes into a table. And they all are getting pretty concerned about him, so they agree to take him to the vet. Mm-hmm. Um the vet uh checks him out and says that he's got arthritis and his eyesight is not doing too well either. Um so David Michael is kind of happy with this and assumes that they'll give him painkillers and he'll be fine and everyone else is kind of upset about it. So Christy takes Louis out for a walk um, to cheer herself up Mm -hmm. and gets dog-shamed by these bitches. (laughs) Yeah, so she runs into Shannon, who is out with her dog, who has the the world's most stupid dog name. Um, (laughs) Astrid of Grenville. Nobody's dog is of a place. Nobody (laughs) is of a place anymore. That is, your dog is not that fancy. Like, Jesus. They they never explain why they gave her such a stupid name. I'm guessing it's a show name. They have to have unique names. Yeah, but you're meant to give them a yeah. street name. Yeah, I know. You're meant day. to just like, call them. Yeah. They're meant to be called like Bobby or something. Oh, yeah, like, Astrid of Grenville, which yes. I think is acknowledged in it. Especially racehorse names are ridiculous. Like yeah. no one's going to call an animal, you know. They call them like Fred. Yeah. Like, <laughs> at their day job. Come on now, Beaver Salmon. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So yes. Oh, hello, um... Fisher Seal. Yeah. No. <laughs> Istabrak. Um, <laughs> Well, I just yeah, reintroduced. We're just naming racehorses now. Uh, yep, Oracle, uh, Red Rum, Red, Red Rum. Yeah, uh, you, you, you I... There we go. Oh. That's, that, that's bang of the Celtic tiger off there. Nice. <laughs> I think we've run out of racehorses though. Yeah, that's all the horses. Uh, no, Snigwiha. There was one called that. <laughs> okay, that's actually pretty cute. I know. What does that mean? Uh, it means like the wind. It's it's what ah. it's one of these idioms we're all taught in primary school to put into our Irish essay. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're if you wanna like jazz it up a bit instead of saying that you did something fast, you say you did it or no sniggly. Okay. Yeah. Here's my racehorse. Fado Fado. <laughs> Why not? I guarantee you there's been a racehorse called Fado Fado and probably one called Guthobin as well. <laughs> so anyway, Shannon's dog is ridiculous. Um, but not as ridiculous as this other blonde kid who is carrying a spotless white Persian cat which she introduces as Priscilla who cost $400 and every time Priscilla is mentioned in this book she refers to the fact that she, she cost $400 um, yep. I, my, my notes get into all caps at this point I'm like you're not supposed to pay for animals they adopt you and then you spend billions on vet fees that is how it works <laughs> yes that, that's the, social yes. Contract. the cheaper I mean, the animal is the more money you pay for until I think expensive purebreds ones probably also you need tons of money like because they're riddled with inbreeding and stuff well actually what threw me about this was that kid throughout the book naming the price of everything it's like i'm just sort of trying to imagine the upbringing that leads Mm. you to do think that's a a way to behave like her parents are clearly tacky as hell i know but they're already in the millionaire neighborhood they don't need to do this there's a thing that my dad brings up every now and again. So dad really, really hates James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I think possibly because he like had a box set of the books and it was his only thing to read at some point. And he was reading it going, this is, this is awful. Um, oh God, the, the, the books are, are, are really trash. Like they're, they're terrible. Um, but apparently uh, someone or other has done an analysis of James Bond and suggests, so he, he has this kind of, he gives off this 
uh, affect of um, being like wealthy and suave and sophisticated and money is no object. But actually, all, the way that he specifies stuff is um, uh, it makes it clear that he is not used to having money. And he thinks that um, you uh, having to say shaken, not stirred and have the whole thing about the martini has to be perfect and whatever. He's like, no, a real rich person is going to assume that he's going to get the best option. Uh, ah. Where James Bond is walking into a bar going, give me the best thing. Don't don't skimp. I know I'm going to know what you're up to. Um, and also apparently um, keeping your gun in a chamois leather holster is about as useful as keeping it in a condom. That one he has mentioned a few times. <laughs> nice. So yeah, James Bond is riddled with class anxiety. Um, and ah. I, I wonder if this is also maybe... I, that they're they're like nouveau assumed. riche and they're very insecure about it. Maybe I that, assumed as much. Yeah. Or maybe the kid is just like reveling in being able to put a price on things. I don't know. Right, it could yeah. also be a weird phase the kid is going through. That mm. is the other option, mm. which is that the kid is being like, things cost money. Some amounts of money are large and that's impressive. Wow, mm. okay. They, she must have heard it from somewhere though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we we could interpret this more or less sympathetically depending on our mood. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she's definitely doing this a lot. Mm. Every scene in which the cat appears, we're reminded of how much the cat costs. Yeah. Priscilla cost $400. Yeah, there is a... I was reading this and going, I overhear a lot of conversations on the bus to and from the large institution at which I work. Um, and probably many of them are from students who go there. But there was, I do remember sitting on the bus one day and listening to a girl behind me who I did not even see at any point, but I was like, I'm imagining the world's most annoying human being. She was just like yakking on in the back um, about all the stuff she was doing and planning and whatever. And it, the bit I remember most clearly was her um, saying, yeah, I was talking to my mom about the kind of dog I want to get. And she's like, oh, you know, darling, it's so expensive. Maybe you'd consider getting a corgi. And I was like, but mom, I want a Tibetan Mastiff. <laughs> and I have never heard mention of a Tibetan Mastiff since then without hearing Tibetan Mastiff um, and also these are the most expensive dogs apparently mm-hmm. at the moment and I imagine they eat an unbelievable amount yeah, they're, they're huge, they look they're, huge. Hard, they're also I yeah. believe hard to train and yeah like no <laughs> totally a good starter pet for when you're 19 <laughs> her mom is right she should get a corgi but I was just laughing at the fact that like the dogs that are famously the Queen of England's choice is like the cheaper model yeah. <laughs> thing that you want to get. Also like, you know, there are only two dogs you can choose between that is Corgi or Tibetan Mastiff. There are no middle grounds. Not in the this two house. genders. Corgi and Tibetan, Tibetan Mastiff. Mastiff. <laughs> Tag yourself. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all corgis. I think we're all corgis. Real. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of big and I eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll just call you Astrid of Grenville from now on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Esther of Grenville. <laughs> Reflect just how classy I really am. Anyway, <laughs> oh. this poor girl is like, oh, I've been a Babysitter's Club fan for years and all of a sudden they're making fun of me on the podcast. <laughs> I think that's pretty unlikely. Yeah. Also, if it was some time ago, she's probably now like, oh God, I was such an idiot, but I really wanted a Tibetan Mastiff. Yeah, probably. Or maybe even most likely, haha, that person sounds terrible. <laughs> no idea. Yes. Yeah, Girl, true. if you're listening, we hope you got an appropriate pet. <laughs> yep. Whatever that may have been. Possibly a goldfish. The best pet for you at the time. Yes. Yeah. All right, so Christy, Christy goes over to the Papadakuses. I had forgotten my favorite thing about them. Myrtle the yeah. turtle and Noodle the poodle. They're pets yes. all with rhyming names and it's so cool. 
<laughs> that is delightful. That is the kind of names that pets should have. Yes, exactly. Um, so yes, Christy, Christy uh, reckons this is one of the signs that they're decent. They are mm-hmm. very down to earth. The children are allowed to choose their own clothes every morning, even though they sometimes end up wearing stripes with plaids and they go barefoot all summer long. So yeah, these are these are sound rich people who it's okay to like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Christy is having fun babysitting times with them and they want to they've decided they want to dress up the turtle um, <laughs> and admit they have no plan for how to actually follow through on this because they don't have turtle clothes <laughs> but the baby is uh, the dog sorry is surprisingly amenable to being put in baby clothes so they're halfway there <laughs> which is very cute mm-hmm. and then they oh yes they talk about the the delaney's uh who live nearby uh who are horrible Mm-hmm. mean and nasty and spoiled and bossy yes the delaney um daughter is the one who keeps talking about how priscilla the cat uh cost four hundred dollars yes i can't remember her name amanda 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 delaney and priscilla delaney i suppose as well so then their plans for a pet fashion show are disrupted when there's a phone call from Shannon Kilburn saying that there's smoke pouring out the upstairs window and Chrissy needs to get the kids out of the house. Mm-hmm. And we think we will finally be three for three on the emergency services. But it turns out Shannon is just a garbage person who is pulling a prank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Christy completely panics, bundles all the kids out of the house, um, showing us in the process how to safely get the kids out of the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no fire. And yes, this is... The worst thing Shannon does. This is really, really bad. It's really unforgivable. Because the kids are very frightened. Legitimately. Just joking about fire is... You just don't do it. Yes. It's just very, very, very bad form. Um, it's not It's not a good prank to put in there if you're trying to introduce a, a prank war. Which yeah. is what kind of this kind of develops into. This is a very... Um, this is bringing a gun to a knife fight. Yeah, it <laughs> yes. kind of is. Um, Christy, it, yeah. meanwhile, brings a fucking paper opener to the knife fight with her counter prank. Yeah, well, well, Christy's counter prank is much more appropriate to wanting to annoy somebody. Yes, Christy's Christy's counter prank is very harmless. Um, she calls a diaper service. Just not a thing we have, but yes, it is actually. Oh really? When when my daughter was before my daughter was born, when I thought I should look into cloth nappies as a thing, uh, before I realized it was way more work than I was willing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are actually like nappy laundry services who will like wash uh, all your nappies and return them to you. Uh, they're very expensive, and I think they only have them on the south side. But <laughs> it's it's kind of funny that. Um... Yeah, so this being America, it's not just an, a nappy service. It's a guy who shows up at the house dressed as a stork um, in, a, <laughs> yes. in a decorated van. Yeah. yeah. That has, it plays like lullabies, like an ice cream van. It plays Rockabye Baby. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. so fucking extra. I mean, I suppose it is the nappy service that serves the millionaire neighborhood. But yes, this poor man in a stork costume is deceived into delivering a bunch of cloth nappies to the Kilburn house. Yeah, and like... I hope that he is the owner of the business um, and that he's doing this 
out of sort of you know gumption and he's not making the fucking driver of the truck wear a stork yes. costume yes Drop i want to know the details nappies. of this guy's contract and like <laughs> i hope he is handsomely compensated for the indignity you and know he's a minimum wage employee yeah he, prob- he probably is or he I could know. be the proprietor in which case he's on less than minimum wage but at least he has the american dream going for him and at least he's doing this to himself if he yes. is so i i don't really understand Though, how this is a prank, aside from the fact that it vaguely associates the Kilburns with the concept of poop. <laughs> like, that's that's really the biggest diss here. And, like, it's... Christy is just kind of outmatched. I like, mean, it's a mm. prank in the same way that um, on the last week of sixth year, people would order piano tuners to the school. <laughs> like... <laughs> You'd think the piano tuners in your neighborhood would get wise to, you know, <laughs> not sure. showing up maybe to the school. Maybe it was school. a piano seller. Maybe it was someone turned yeah. away the piano for the school who wanted to buy it or try it or something. And then the like the the, the school secretary or headmistress or yeah. whatever were like, no, please leave. You think word would get out among the piano men generally? Like. I mean, I'm not sure it was the same thing every year. I mean, they used to yeah. put the headmistress's car into the buy and sell as well. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> the our our school was. Um, was kind of locally notorious. We were definitely barred from most of the local pubs for very short periods of time, I think, um, because it was also very lucrative to have all the kids from our school <laughs> descend yes. upon it occasionally. So they'd be like, you, you're barred from this pub, you and your children and your children's children for three months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there was a kind of unspoken contract where on a Friday afternoon, the teachers would drink in one corner of the pub and the students would drink in the other corner and everyone would pretend they hadn't seen each other. Um, it was a kind of what happens in redacted pub stays in redacted pub. <laughs> That's extremely civilized. <laughs> it, was yes. a, it was a code of honor, you know? In the same oh, way God. that, yeah, we're, we're just not going to ask for ID for any of these guys. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no. It's important to maintain the uh, the traditions. No, I so. remember going in there at 16 and having a bunch of like 14-year-olds sneaking in behind me. And I was <laughs> like, guys, <laughs> you, you don't want to try and ride my coattails. <laughs> <laughs> my credibility. Anyway, that particular type of diaper service is not common. Here, no. I, I have a question about this diaper service thing. Like, what, do people have to pay for this shit? What? What, what happened? Yeah, who who lost out here? Because I suspect it was Stork Guy, unfortunately. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah, I assume the idea is like they'll bill you later on or whatever. Mm. Um, it's not a good business Because, I mean, it's it, it's not like Christie's paying up front with a credit card or whatever. But, yes, minor indignity. They are seen in the company of nappies, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's the, the Stork and the, the music and everything. The band. Yeah, I mean, it does the... make the house look kind of eejity and uh, obvious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's quite cringe. <laughs> yeah. But um, she she does seem to be just sort of playing on a different level than Shannon, who went way too hard, yeah. uh, particularly for like mm-hmm. her opening move. But yeah. I guess that's just the Babysitter's Club girls are very wholesome and they just don't think like that. I mean, the other thing that Christy did was she told Mrs. Papadakis... Um, and yes. Mrs. Papadakis was angry and said, well, I'll have to have a word with Shannon before she babysits here again, which like, hmm. <laughs> I see Mrs. Papadakis is of the Stony Brook school, even if she lives in the the millionaire's quarter of, well, nothing's going to stop me hiring all this like cheap teenage babysitting. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but she, do, she does apparently, um, Christy 
should have told an adult about this and she did, yes. which is good. Yes. Um, because that was, that prank was not okay. Um, even uh, on the under, like, in a world in which pranks are okay, and most people I know fucking hate them. And I'm yeah. not sure I've ever seen one done in such a way that it, that everybody is sort of amused by it. Um, I don't know. The Bordnemona prank is pretty good. There is? Okay. Yes. The prank? <laughs> um, two guys that we went to school with, um, one of them, for no particular reason, like they were best friends. This was not, not an enemy prank war. Rang Bordnemona, uh, which, if you're not Irish, is the semi-state body that governs the turf industry. Yes, our country is real. He <laughs> uh, rang Bordnemona's offices at 3am and left a voicemail message, pretending to beat the other guy, saying, call me back at this number, I have urgent questions about Pete. <laughs> <laughs> nobody has ever had ever but Borden and Mona were clearly really stuck for things to do because they rang him back repeatedly for weeks afterwards trying to find out what were his urgent concerns about Pete uh, which is a fucking amazing prank okay yes that's that's a good one I, I feel like there are, there, there are less <laughs> victims in this one i feel like even the board namona people probably found it funny after like the fourth time that he was like i'm a schoolboy. i don't care about Pete. it's the word urgent i think urgent. that has it there. urgent is really what makes it yeah oh <laughs> the prankster guy um said to me at one point that um it was partly inspired by there being a board Namona fridge magnet on his fridge, which apparently loads people had we around had the it. time. Yeah, we had the board Namona fridge magnet. And I presume he was up at three a.m. and was looking at this, going, "Hmm." He said he had to add an extra digit to it because it was so old yes, that it had it was an only old six style, digits. yeah, phone number on it. <laughs> Uh, okay yes i i stand corrected um there is one good prank in it involves board namona it has only only ever been one good prank so they're kind of in the midst of this prank war um this that's uh ongoing um and in the meantime christy gets a job it is christy isn't it yeah she she gets um another job in the neighborhood um which she's sort of fast becoming disillusioned with as a source yeah. of revenue um with the delaney's Yes. Um, and the Delaney's are just nightmarish. Terrific. <laughs> On so many levels. Uh, yeah, okay, so the, I knew I was going to love this chapter when Christy enters the front hall and there is a golden fish fountain standing on its tail, fin spread with water spouting out of its mouth and running into a little pool surrounding it. I am picturing their house as a Sims house. That yes. is exactly the kind of shit you buy in your sims house when you've got the cheat to get infinite money and you just want to make it as bad as possible mother load <laughs> yep yeah, yeah. Uh, for comparison christy's front hall contains two chairs and a mirror and the papadakis's front hall contains two chairs and a turtle so uh, <laughs> good front halls contain two chairs and one other item <laughs> bad front halls contain a fish fountain i feel like i recall another book in which I think Karen Brewer and a friend spend some time pretending to be uh, pretending to be the fish, like taking photos of, of them, like standing in front of it, pretending to be the the, the fountain part, um, <laughs> which is really the only thing you can do with one of those statues. That is the whole yes. purpose of having one, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, or I don't know. I don't know about the kind of house where you have a fish fountain in the front hall. So that uh, is definitely 
a thing. That, a thing that they have in their home. And that's just kind of the beginning of it. And then the the kids are just horrible. They're just yes. the worst. Yeah. Well, yes, their their living room is super white and super eighties yeah. as well. Um white shag rug, white leather oh. couch, white lacquer tables, and a white TV set, which wow. I wouldn't have even thought existed then. Um and so they're perfect. $400 white cat is sleeping in a white wicker cat bed and it's terrifying and it sounds like a music video mm, yeah. yes it does Amanda and Max are sitting perched on the white couch dressed like children of the corn basically <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah Max is like a gigantic preppy he's wearing boat shoes and an unwrinkled alligator shirt I love that for some reason she always calls them alligator, alligator shirts, shirts instead mm-hmm. of Lacoste shirts <laughs> we know exactly what they are we, yeah. I, I really think she just didn't Honestly, I think Anna Martin probably, even when all the pop culture was current to her, didn't really. I, I think that's kind of adorable. I suspect. I love it. No, I find yeah. it kind of cute. I love it. Just funny. This yeah. is maybe the same thing as where she's going through um, magazines, picking out outfits. She's yes. probably also looking like at a yacht aficionado. Yeah, a ru- <laughs> at somebody's living room and yacht aficionado, and being like, "Hey, yeah, this is like the kind of thing. Oh, you can get a white TV set now. Let's put that in there." Yeah. yeah, better make sure they have a cat to match. Ooh, alligator <laughs> shirts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think it's adorable. I, I love it. I, I think it lends an awful lot of credence to her description of herself as being very like Marianne. Yes. <laughs> like Stacy probably knows what an alligator shirt is properly called. Mm, Christy yeah. definitely doesn't. Anyway, so the these kids are insufferable. We use that word a lot on this show. Yeah. Um, there are just a lot of insufferable people about. Stony <laughs> Brook, it's full of dickheads. Carry on. Yes. Um, so basically, the kids talk to Christy like a servant. Uh, Amanda announces, "Get me a coke." Well, uh, when Christy. Oh, says, first what they do you stop her sitting down because it's their dad's chair. Oh yes, even though her d- their dad isn't there. Now but. my dad had a chair, and when he came in and wanted to watch telly, you had to get out of his chair. But if he wasn't here, that was fine. And if he was there, and you could try and argue with him about it and see what happened. He sat on me. That, that's what he, did. he sat on me. <laughs> did he then move or did you just have to stay under there? Like, I dad, just was like, help. it's fine. Actually, Dad, I don't mind. <laughs> oh my God. You two just arguing with one another. But I couldn't see the telly. Uh, that was the big disadvantage. Because I was quite short and he was quite tall. Oh. So... He he did win that one. I will admit. <laughs> it was an innovative response to your child refusing to get out of your chair. I have to say, yeah. it's creative problem solving. I will give him that. <laughs> it's like when I tell you to get out of my chair, it's just a warning that I'm about to sit in it. Yes, <laughs> it's not a threat. <laughs> um, yeah, the, you you the bit where you said um they treat her like a servant, like. Only if you're the kind of person who treats servants really badly. And like, there aren't that many servants around nowadays. Yeah, but when I say you're... servant, I'm meaning like, not like household staff. Mm. I mean like some kind of medieval page. Yes. <laughs> be like, back when they weren't really people and you could just be like, clean that, mm. go there. Back when people actually use the word servant, non-ironically. True. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, if, you, if you caught your child... I think most people, if you if you found your child ordering someone, said, you know, that even a staff member anywhere, like, yes. say, get me a Coke, there'd be words. Yeah. Or there I should be words. Die <laughs> of shame if my kid ever did yeah. that. So, yes, this, this exchange, Amanda says, get me a Coke. And Christy says, what do you say? And Amanda says, 
I said, get me a Coke, which is fucking terrifying. Transmacolator. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds, it sounds like what well she deserves. My mother never told me. My mother never told me what it meant. And you never found out. But I would still transmacolate her. <laughs> yes, you'd figure it out along the way. Um, so when Christy brings it, Amanda says, where's the ice? So Christy brings Coke with ice for both kids. And then Max tells her that he doesn't like ice and she has to take it out again. Um, at which point Christy is a much better person than me because I would definitely have just put it down the back of his top. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fitting. Yes. Um, but Christy I, is, is a bit fretful because she feels she can't scold them when she just got here. And it's like, no, they need a fucking scolding. No, you can. You can, though. Yeah, you can. You've got to set. You've got to set the tone of the interaction here from yes. the start. And you've just let them set the tone. You are Christy in control, has never met Christy. little bollockses like this before. No, she really hasn't. <laughs> there are little bollockses. Um, she's, she's also... So the bit that makes a decent amount of sense to me, actually, is that she's going... I Like, uh, I'm the owner of the business, and I yes. can't alienate these new clients straight away um but yeah the boundaries here have not been properly established um the parents in as far as we encounter them don't actually seem terrible they seem to just interact no. with the babysitters in the same way that all the parents yeah. do so um it was a it's really not clear token where this... interaction you really couldn't tell yeah. from it yeah that's anything that's true but it's not like um <laughs> hello is this the peons club Send me out your your finest, cheapest babysitter to mind my evil spawn. Yeah. It's like, if they're that bloody rich, like, hire a nanny. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Maybe it's just the kids that are... Yeah. That, are, that have notions. I don't think kids become, like, that spontaneous. Also, yeah. the parents bought that fucking fountain and the cat. Yes. That's true. And then told the kids how much it cost repeatedly, mm-hmm. apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're weird about chairs, apparently. So in the middle of this, David Michael turns up with Louis because he's worried about Louis. He doesn't seem well. Mm-hmm. And the Delaney's take this opportunity to dog shame them yet again because Louis doesn't look like he cost $400 or whatever. And mm. then he sneezes and Amanda like ostentatiously has to wash her hands because she's got sneeze germs. Um, and then... There's another phone call. It's Shannon again. She's babysitting at the Papadakis's and the baby won't stop crying. So Christy, because she is one of those decent people who assumes everyone else in the world is just as decent as her, mm-hmm. rushes over in a panic because she doesn't trust Shannon, but she can't say no to a crying baby. And Misty. the mm. baby's fine. And Shannon's not there, is she? She's just, the Papadakis's are just doing their normal thing. Is Shannon actually at the house? She lives next door, so she's just like hanging out outside laughing at her. Okay, right. So yeah. She's not actually babysitting. Yeah. She's there with her friend laughing at Christy for, ah, oh, you fell for my extremely plausible. This is the thing with pranks, right? Yeah. It's plausible. Why would you shame someone for believing something plausible that you tell them? Yes. Yeah. It, th- a this- prank is only funny if it's ridiculous. Yeah. Actually, I have a second good prank. Oh? Um, when I have been going out with my now husband for about three months um, or four months, I guess it was April fool's day. And I was at work. Uh, I was being an extra unfair city at the time, which is a whole other, <laughs> whole other thing. And he, he at the time lived in Chapel Lizard, which is 
you go past where the zoo is on the way into the city center. Mm -hmm. So he texted me and said that he had been late to work because an elephant got out at the zoo and all the roads were like blocked off. (laughs) The police were trying to catch the elephant. And I completely believed him. (laughs) Um, because I knew the zoo was nearby and I was like god that's mad take some pictures that's crazy is there anything about it on the news and I was telling all the other extras about it as well oh no I was like guys you'll never guess what happened and um yeah then like an hour later he was like I made that up I didn't think you'd actually believe me it's ridiculous (laughs) I mean it's actually not I know someone who worked at the zoo once and she said that like she was told by someone who worked at the zoo longer there was a storm in the Phoenix Park once and a tree or a branch or something blew down into one of the big cat enclosures Mm. and they came in the next day and they're like oh no there's been a breach oh wait no they're all in that's fine that's really good they didn't go out there and then they noticed that one of them had a deer carcass (laughs) yeah it had gotten out grabbed itself some food and brought it back to where it lived to eat it yeah because there are deer in the Phoenix Park so they, yeah, it just sorry. went out and hunted. Um, I, yeah, I, I love that story of like the big cat getting takeout and going back to the zoo. <laughs> like, um, yes. but I, yeah, I've heard it a few times. I really hope it's true. <laughs> I hope it's true. I do. Yes. So we then have a little interlude with Dawn and her brother Jeff. Hmm. Um, their mom has gone out with, on another date with the trip man, which is just now officially his name. Uh, and Jeff is in a bad mood and has been getting in trouble at school. And yes, there's a really weird remark about, um, the, all the health food that they eat. Again, I think Anna Martin doesn't really know what vegetarians eat. Mm -hmm. Um, she she says they're semi-vegetarians, which is not how they have been described up to now. No, they've been like vegan more or less up to now. So. No, no. I mean, Don's been eating a lot of yogurt and stuff. But oh, that's true, that. actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've we just been kind of extrapolating that they're vegans because like vegetarian... It's so mainstream now. <laughs> it's, it's completely unremarkable. You wouldn't really talk about someone being a vegetarian now. Uh, but yeah, they're actually just semi-vegetarians. I guess that barbecue um, stuck with them. But <laughs> yes, they get tired of yogurt and salad and fruit, so they make casseroles from vegetables and brown rice or pasta. Which is still, that's still vegetarian, guys. Just saying. Yeah, like that's, th- there's a lot of foods that are vegetarian. That's quite a small selection of them. But anyway, uh, so they're they're eating a reheated vegetarian casserole. And I've noticed in these books, actually, that watching TV is almost always like, it's a sign that a kid is being bad. Yes. <laughs> Even though in this case, Jeff wants to watch Leave It to Beaver. I know! She's what like, a little rebel! Yeah. Like, the most famously wholesome show in TV history. And he's like, yeah, fuck you, I want to watch Leave It to Beaver in peace. Like a man. But there is a massive thing in mid to late 20th century children's books, though, where TV is the enemy. And, yeah. like, watching yeah. TV is bad, and kids who watch TV are bad, and bad kids watch TV. Yeah. And... Yeah. When they're not at the mall chewing gum. Exactly. But TV especially, like I think about Roald yeah. Dahl and stuff, like yeah. yes. watching TV is bad, TV, it just is. Yeah. So yeah. we actually have Dawn and Jeff watching TV by themselves in previous books as well, because I, I looked up the show they were watching in, I think, possibly The Ghost at Dawn's House, where they're um they're watching an episode of All in the Family. Um, oh, even, yes, yeah. Even though they say that it's terrible, that they, hate it. they watch yes. it anyway. Um. 
so I think that this maybe is more emphasizing not that they're bad kids, but that they're child children of divorced parents who are out and that they are kind of bonding over this horrible abandonment where all they can do is sit on the couch and watch watch a show on the telly um so it's it's a very strange yeah Yeah. judgy thing it's the (laughs) equivalent in these books of like an adult character pouring themselves a drink exactly it's (laughs) kind of this is a thing that people do but you know you really shouldn't do it much and it's it's a sign that the person is under a lot of stress and they really need to find healthier outlets for their feelings mm-hmm. people watch tv when they don't have a better alternative like babysitting jeff should really just be babysitting yeah yeah mallory pipe doesn't watch tv nope. just saying she reads books about horses yes <laughs> <laughs> And she's much the better for it. Even Claudia doesn't watch TV. Like yeah. Claudia reads Nancy Drew. Yeah, that's yeah. her. That's her lowbrow pop culture. Oh my gosh, it's it's it is really a bit of a time warp. Yeah, like massively, it's it's massively. retro culture. So even All in the Family, I think, is more seventies. Although yes. I had never ever heard of it before. Even having read this book previously, I was like, no, I don't know what this is about. Um, I think it's I think it's a nineteen seventies show. I heard of it because I seen it referenced on the Simpsons. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But then when it was referenced in this, I did go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole of reading about it. <laughs> and now you feel like they're your old friends. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I do know a little bit more about it, but yeah, the, I mean, these are not current late 80s tv shows that the kids would be watching um you know they would be watching like the cosby show yeah or um that other one with urkel family matters yeah (laughs) whatever but like yes no people only watch very very Mm. quaint old tv in this but it's still a sign that they're going off their they could be watching degrassi junior high they should be (gasps) watching degrassi junior high High. but they have to learn about sax somehow (laughs) no one's going to tell them about it in these books no that's for sure sax doesn't happen in these books no there's no sax we're really (laughs) sorry Canada we're sorry (laughs) (laughs) Ah, and we finally figured out what's going to get us (laughs) cancelled it's our Degrassi bashing um I really lost track of what I was going to say. Uh, I we're th- going to say Jeff's going into a spiral because he's watching, he's watching Leave It to Beaver when leaving TV, which is, as we <laughs> all know, a, a red flag. Yes, it's totally. A, it's a gateway TV show. <laughs> Next, he'll be watching um, reruns of I Love Lucy. I don't know. <laughs> he's going further and further back in time. Oh no, it's Charlie Chaplin movies. Ah, uh, it's just that it's just that movie where it's a train it's a going train. towards the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, so it's a bit of foreshadowing for uh, stuff that I think happens in later books. It's not yeah. pursued in this book at all. Um, no. So she's really got quite a lot planned out to have happen, yeah. in, which is Giving impressive. Setting stuff yeah, up. and we have some Jamie Newton being jealous stuff as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and the fact that Louis has been kind of going a bit downhill for the last while was set up in yes. several books previously. He's been kind of tired and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, Jeff has a big tantrum basically and says that he hates living in Connecticut with Dawn and their mother and he mm-hmm. wants to go live in California. And Dawn is incredibly hurt and upset by this and freaked out. Yeah. So when her mom comes home, she has to tell her and then her mom calls their dad in California and nothing more really comes of this now. But yeah, it's just kind of setting up for future books that like mm-hmm. Jeff's not very happy and Dawn is really worried about him, basically. Mm. Yeah. Which is like, it's quite, you know, 
believable. Like it it's, is. it's it's well done drama. I've always liked the Dawn and Jeff relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's, good. it's always reminded me of because I was an older sister with a single younger brother, and it always mm-hmm. reminded me of me and my brother at our best, kind of getting along together for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like we yeah. have four years between us, we fought like cats and dogs. Um, but like it rings extremely true to me. Um, sure, and and I, I like it. They 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 they're, they're those times mm-hmm. when they're they're both kind of doing their best. Yeah, and I like it. I've always had a very specific problem with Don and Jeff, which is that my father's name is Jeff. And I have always only ever been able to picture Jeff as just a shrunken down version of my dad. Beard and everything? Yes, beard and everything. Grey, middle-aged beard, glasses, academic job. He's just a small version of Jeff. Baking. Baking, yes. Really into linguistics and folklore. Yeah. He's just a small version of my dad. It must have been. So, I'm. I'm. I apologize for naming my younger child also Jeff because I now understand just how confusing that must be <laughs> for you. You notice I never call him Jeff. Yes. <laughs> I do think you're right though about the all of the the tying in. This is actually something we're reading these books. I didn't notice it as a kid, probably because I, I read them so. I would just read one and immediately read the next one or whatever, or read mm-hmm. them out of sequence or. But I honestly wasn't expecting them to be so nicely woven together and to have stuff dropped in book five yeah, that will come up mm-hmm. in book eight. And I'm really impressed. And I know that that stuff got went by the wayside to a degree later. And I yeah. think it's understandable mm-hmm. why with just the sheer amount of them. But yeah, I'm pleasant. I was pleasantly surprised. I remain like yeah delighted to see it every time I notice it happening. I'm like, this is setting up a thing for way later. I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. It's good. There's there's clearly work put into it. Like she's kept it going for eleven books. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of balls in the air. There's a lot of um, a lot of authors who don't like have that amount of planning going no, on. Definitely. <laughs> um. So, kind of, where are we at now? I actually have a question about um, a a, a babysitting scene setting question mm-hmm. where Mrs. Papadakis um gives Christy the emergency numbers um. Mm-hmm. Which I think, again, is another contrast with Mrs. Delaney, who's just sort of like, oh, yeah, I don't know, I'm going out, bye. Um, yeah. But uh, Mrs. Papadak is like, oh, yes, well, here you go. Here's um, here's various things. And here's the pediatrician. I was like, I cannot picture a scenario in which <laughs> I, as a teenage babysitter, would feel like the the child had a scenario that would require me to call the pediatrician. <laughs> so here also, yeah, you don't, you see your GP you only get referred to a pediatrician if your kid has a very specific, possibly serious health problem. You don't just ring a but, pediatrician. Yeah. In America, every, all, everyone, like everyone to whom it's biologically relevant and can afford it has a gynecologist. I mean, Which, yeah, I, so I believe that a that's a oh, different yeah. land with different ways. You get American advice. It's like, oh, yeah, call your pediatrician if you're worried about this. And we're like, they would tell me to go through the proper channels if I try that. <laughs> um, but uh, like... But um, even with that understanding there, you don't call a GP either. If you're in charge of the kid and something blows up, it's it's either 999. Yeah. yeah. Or it's or something that the, the parents home. can deal with. There's I'm not no going to be. You're not going <laughs> to call really the GP isn't. and be like, I think Hanny needs her polio booster. Yeah. Imagine like <laughs> if, you came, if you came home and discovered that the 13 year old has been like, oh, um, I'm talking to uh, I'm talking to a dietitian right now because I'm a little bit worried that your kids were eating. Or-. Like 
Do not go over the parent's head. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of a, of a of a middle ground, like where you'd be like, it's maybe not ambulance territory, but I mm. think it's more serious than the kid's mom should deal with. And I can't think of anything. No. Like, the, I can see a scenario where perhaps the kid's mother might come home and then herself ring a GP or ring nurse line. Yes, and absolutely. I say mother, like, but either parent, mm, but these books are kind of gendered about it, so I'm yeah. just picking up on that. <laughs> and I just don't... No, yeah. The only number, emergency number I ever had to ring when babysitting, ever, mm-hmm. was there was a child, it was a baby, who got really gassy after she ate. And I was told, look, this, she's, she's how you get the wind out. Mm-hmm. It's how you deal with her wind. And it just didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. After about an hour and a half pacing the living room, the baby wailing, I rang my mother and was like, mom, please, like, just give me some tips here. Anything. Mm-hmm. Help me. What do I do? Do I put her upside down? Anything. Help. Mm-hmm. And and she just was like, gave me generic tips and reassure me. And it was just more like that I had someone on the line who was like, yeah, everything's mm. fine. The kid's just got wind. She will be okay. Yeah. You're doing nothing mm-hmm. wrong. Sometimes it takes a while. It's Because I hadn't minded a lot of young babies. So mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how long this thing normally takes to happen. Yeah. It needs to burp or fart. I don't know how to make it occur. Um, I just kept going and eventually she she burped and it was fine but that was the only time I ever had to ring anyone but you wouldn't have called the GP like you call your own mammy for this advice I didn't even call the kid's mother because I didn't want her to think I couldn't handle it I just called my own mother to reassure me that I was doing okay exactly Mm -hmm. I was approximately 20 at the time by the way not 12 (laughs) what's the pediatrician gonna do be like okay i'll schedule your appointment for like <laughs> three o'clock next tuesday can you come i don't know <laughs> on the phone to you going yeah the kid fell and i don't know if this is serious or not <laughs> and then it's like can i talk to an adult and the 12 year old is like i'm the babysitter and the, and the pediatrician's like can you get an adult please <laughs> an adult should be able to tell you if it's serious they should call an ambulance I think if I was the person in the pediatrician's office, I'd be like, call an ambulance now and just, yeah. this is above my pay grade. I'm not giving yeah. you medical advice over the phone since you're 12. <laughs> like, yes, I'm not even, doing phone triage. It's yeah. not 2020. Yeah, I was going to say, even these days, they wouldn't do it with a fucking 12-year-old unless it was some kind of major emergency. And then they'd be like, okay, you need to call an ambulance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yes, this this is deeply, deeply implausible. I I don't know why, and but it does seem to come up that um the pediatrician is it just like proof that yes we have a pediatrician here's their number right here. <laughs> Our <laughs> um, insurance covers everything. Don't... Get an MRI while you're at it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh hey, they had a snack and I scheduled a CAT scan. <laughs> no, um. So I don't understand that. As a as a thing, even no. not understanding the intricacies of the American healthcare system, that makes no sense. Yes. Um, no. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad it's not just me that is like neglecting a key aspect of. <laughs> yeah, you should be constantly practice. phoning your GP just just to check in. Touch base. Stop taking my calls. <laughs> oh my god. Where the hell were we in this book? We're okay. you know we're talking we're avoiding the elephant in the room, which is that. Louis is not well. <laughs> We're avoiding the dead dog in the room. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, okay. So yeah, Stacy. Stacy's going to babysit the Delaney's. Yes. News, you guys. Let's talk about that in great detail. Yay. Okay. Stacy minding the Delaney's is actually hilarious. Um, 
Stacy confidently says that she knows psychology because she read a magazine article called <laughs> Getting What You Want, Dealing With Difficult People the Easy Way. <laughs> to be fair, I that's that. a very 12-year-old thing to say. Extremely. It's also very on brand for the McGills yes. who choose doctors this way, if you recall. So yeah. this is just what she thinks people do. Um, and actually, her techniques work kind of Works. well in the, the world of this novel. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I enjoyed Stacey messing with the Delaney kids' heads because if anybody deserves to have their heads messed with, it is definitely the Delaney's. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure that her reverse psychology techniques would actually work in real no. life. Um, no. It's quite a high-stakes gamble, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really is. There could just have been, like, chaos. The place could have wound up burnt down or with her locked out the front door having to call the parents to say your kids are running wild in the house and I'm not in there supervising them honestly the best approach would have been to be like well these guys are dickheads so either they stop being dickheads or we don't want them as clients anyway and then you say that the kids um you'll have to say please and thank you I'm not your maid yeah I, I guess this is the 80s and the customer is always right but I, it is surprising to see Christy rolling over so easily. Um, yeah. But I sort of buy Stacy being a little bit more confident around bratty rich kids because yeah. she grew up in a slightly more that kind of space. Stacy yeah. knows from bratty rich kids. And these kids probably seem very provincial to her, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they are also younger than she is they're quite intimidating to christy i think also christy has been building up this local snobs in her head yeah. for several books now um yeah. because back in the like in number six when the wedding was happening you can mm -hmm. see they have that whole thing where she's worried that the kids will make fun of uh louis because yeah. he doesn't look fancy enough. And, and they, they do. do. Well, okay, that's probably where the genesis for this book came from, in fairness. Um, but yeah, it, they, they absolutely do. So she's she's just like, nah, there's, they're going to be as bad yeah. um, as I think they are. Uh, where, whereas Stacey's all like, okay, yeah, let's see. Let's see what I can do here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she kind of tricks the kids into, first of all, tidying up their playroom by her telling them, okay, that's great. I'm going to make it an even bigger mess than it is now. And they're like, what? No. No, stay out of our mess. Um, and then they tidy the room. That would backfire so bad. You'd start, she'd start throwing the things around. They'd be like, yeah, this is a great game. And then somebody's eye gets like injured by the flying Duplo. As it is traditionally awful in games until. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So then they demand some milk. So she goes to get all the beverages out so to make sure that they have all the options or something which is kind of weird mm -hmm. uh, and then prepares to fill all the glasses in the kitchen with all the beverages uh, at which point the kids are like oh fine we'll do it ourselves and they pour themselves some milk mm -hmm. and then Max uh, quasi deliberately spills some milk and tells Stacy to clean it up and she says that she loves cleaning things up so much that she will clean up the milk and then give them a bath and he's like ah no no I'll clean up my own messes which again could have backfired in many uh, ways yes yeah this is not better than just being like no yeah. use the cloth clean it yourself or indeed the phrase I am not your maid mm. yes but it works in this <laughs> In this. Uh, and yes, the kids uh, get the idea that um, this this is not on with Stacey. She'll she'll not stand for their messing. Um, and then they they settle down and become borderline decent people. So that's 
all good. Borderline temporarily. For Stacy, um they they conclude that she's the weirdest babysitter they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um but that once they've sort of established that they can't like mess around with her, it they all seem to get on fine. Um yeah. So the whole um the rich kids thing is there's just a lot of weird psychology going on in this yes. book. Um that assumes people will behave in ways that don't like they don't work for me. Maybe sometimes people do act like this. Um but like the whole the sort of culmination of this whole thing that she's got going on with Shannon, right? This made me mad. I was pissed off at this whole thing. Where uh she Christy has another gig sitting for the Delaney's and this time she's gonna go in and try Stacy's approach because Stacy has been very smug about how well it worked. Yeah. She's like, yeah. okay, right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this thing where um you uh you play along with them, but you go a step further and it makes them uncomfortable and then they behave. Okay, so that's what I'm gonna do. You yes and them. Yes, you yeah. yeah, exactly. You yes and and um they so she goes in and she is doing it and it works quite well. Um and then a pizza arrives at the door somebody has yeah. ordered pizza and she works out that this is Shannon playing a prank again and so she's like oh ha ha no no this is um this is meant for across the street no no you just deliver it over there and the poor pizza delivery person has to go over and argue with Shannon who eventually pays for the pizza um reluctantly and then marches over and is all angry with Christy because like none of Shannon's pranks make any sense like that previous one, like, ha ah, yeah, it was so funny. You you thought you'd come over and help me because I asked for help and then I didn't actually need the help. Ah. You thought a baby would be crying. Lol. Lol. That's so funny. Yeah. And then in this one, she's like, yeah, how dare you not accept the pizza that I bought for you as a mean prank? <laughs> <laughs> There's some kind of an altercation at the door where Shannon marches up and she's like, hey, why didn't you take the pizza? And Christy is like, you're a bitch. And um, yeah, <laughs> she tells Christy that she owes her money. Because Shannon paid for the pizza, but Shannon ordered the pizza, so... <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. I, I, Rich people are entitled in this book. Yes. But, okay, there is no end to the entitlement of rich people, but this seems even a bit implausible. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, should they? so they argue, and then they wind up laughing about the ludicrousness of the situation, and then they start bonding. And I'm like, no, no. there is... This has not been established as a thing that would happen in this no. scenario and like they kind of hang out they talk about babysitting um and they is christy's like oh she's not so bad I'm like yes she is that bad she is terrible there's no reason for you to feel like you have to relate to this person she's a she's been awful to you yeah, um, yeah. like so I'm, I'm annoyed about how this you know the the Christie's character arc is where she's starting to feel bad because she misjudged these people and she didn't even get to know them. Like, no, they're fucking awful. Yeah, <laughs> like she didn't miss. I mean, maybe at first she was like, "Oh, they look like snobs," mm-hmm. but they have never had a positive interaction, and they have yeah. done some shitty things to her. Yeah, if if like her first impression had been, "Oh, they look like snobs," but you know, we talk at the bus stop and they seem okay, that would have been perfectly fine. She would. Yeah presumably have got over she'd been like oh yeah you know i'm I'm starting to realize that rich people are okay whereas actually they were just being awful to her from the beginning yeah. um and so even though shannon like is quite upfront about the fact that she was jealous because she was the local babysitter and christy muscled in on her territory with flyers and that's where the whole animosity thing comes from whereas christy just thought it was about 
her um, kind of being much more casually dressed and going to local elementary school um, and having a dog that didn't cost four hundred dollars. <laughs> yes. Um, whereas Shannon's actually like, no, it's a, it's it's because of babysitting. It's business. It's business. Basically, Christy has mm-hmm. babysitters agencyed Shannon. <laughs> Yeah. Without realizing it, and yes. she feels bad about that. Yeah. Um. But she doesn't fucking need to. <laughs> no. Um, no. She's overthinking the situation. If Shannon was all that, she would have just kept getting the babysitting jobs. Yeah. Yes. Good point. Yes. Why are people ringing Christy? There is some hilarity though when uh, it briefly appears that they're going to start throwing slices of pizza at each other, and Amanda Delaney is jumping around, going, "No, Mummy and Daddy just had the hall painted, and the fish fountain cost two thousand dollars." <laughs> Which I absolutely cracked up at. Yeah, no, that's fair. Mm, yeah. I mean, Amanda Delaney sounds like she'd be really useful in any sort of barter situation. She knows what everything costs, you know? I'm picturing her on, like, Antiques Roadshow. Like, yeah. She, she, she's a child prodigy and they bring her on and she, she guesses the worth of everything. Yeah. Well, no, she knows the cost of everything. <laughs> the, the value, value of, of nothing. Her taste is pretty tacky. We've established this. It's true. It's true. That's true. Uh, and here we have <laughs> we have Amanda Delaney the American 8 year old in charge of vulgarities <laughs> uh, yeah well okay I'd watch that episode of um, yeah, Antiques Roadshow the hell out of <laughs> yeah. oh. it needs more gilding <laughs> so in the meantime poor oh, old the, Louis, the horrible yeah, horrible A plot that made us all cry um yeah, so Louis is not doing well. Um, so there is an unfortunate incident where he um, accidentally wanders into the basement and in order yeah. to stop him falling down the stairs, David Michael jumps in front of him and himself falls down the stairs and gives himself a black eye, at which point they decide they kind of need to like establish how well Louis is doing again. And the vet says, no, he's still, things are still going badly. Um, they can try a series of injections, which might help, uh, which, but they'll have to be daily, twice daily. And, um, they try them out. Um, and everybody is massively stressed by trying to just make this work. Get to the vet twice a day, every day when everyone is at work and at school. Yeah. They really like give it their best shot. Like they give it their best owners. Yeah. They really try. Um, everybody, including Watson as well, which is nice because it's like he hadn't, grown up with Louis but he's still totally pitching in on it um but unfortunately they're not working at all and he's starting to get um he's starting to get seriously unwell so uh, eventually matters come to a head and I think there's a really quite upsetting scene in which it seems that um uh Louis basically become paralyzed from the waist yeah he like loses control over his hind legs uh, yeah and is like hobbling around the kitchen and it's really upsetting like it really I is, yeah. did not remember this scene at all from mm-hmm. previously and no like, me neither like yeah. this is this is unsparing prose this is what people mean when they say something has unsparing prose yeah uh, like I it it goes into a lot more detail about his illness and his suffering and stuff than I was really anticipating mm. um like it's yeah it's really full-on for a kid's book i mean kids books can be quite relentless in that way yeah and there's a lot of kids books that are just straight up tear jerkers that i would avoid yes properly now <laughs> like yeah. um i'm i'm still kind of like whoa i reread this that's you know i should get a medal for that but uh, yeah <laughs> i feel um, a bit like that too i mean i think part of the reason it did this was because 
it went into with those details here was because I think the books are always a little bit kind of didactic and they're looking at trying to explain why pets need mm-hmm. to be put down. Yeah. And make sure that people understand that it's not a bad decision. It's a yeah. go- it's, it's 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 a decision that's that's ultimately for the pet's benefit and mm-hmm. that they are suffering and that, you know, your mom or the vet aren't murderers or whatever. Yeah. It's and it's a um it's it's a kinder thing to do than to allow yeah. somebody to continue to suffer. Suffer and suffer. It is done really well. It like is. considering it really the clunky is. handling of a lot of issues, um, this is very tragic, but also just very touching. Yeah, like it's 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 really brutal and difficult to read, but it's like it feels really earned, like how upsetting mm-hmm. it is. It's yeah. not just kind of pouring on tragedy for the sake of tragedy and drama and like it's you mm-hmm. really feel for all of them. Yeah. I didn't feel manipulated into those tears. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Let me tell you, I felt manipulated into those tears when I read The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember hearing you describe that and going, That's not gonna be for me. I looked at the cover and went, That's not gonna be for me. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it for anyone. Um <laughs> And actually, one of the things that I found really touching about this was that the um, the concluding letter from Anna Martin on the new edition um, was her talking about how this had been a tough book to write. And particularly as she wrote it, her cat Mouse yeah. was getting older and quite yeah. sick. Um, and I was like, oh, Mouse was in the blurb, the brief kind of description of the author in the back of all the Babysitter's Club books that oh. I read growing up. And I was like, oh, Mouse is getting to that point as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing about pets. Like somebody said to us once upon one of our, the time at which one of many, uh, one of our many cats who like crossed the rainbow bridge, as they say, <laughs> went on. They were saying, you don't get to keep pets. You only kind of get to borrow them really yeah yeah uh, because yeah. just the lifespans are so difficult i mean you can get an african gray parrot if you want something <laughs> or, a turtle. or a turtle yeah it's true the papadakuses are onto something there's a guy um i know i think he even knows him as well over in the uk whose family has tortoises that have been with them since the blitz wow um and that are in their 90s like and are or more older, like, or they have a family of tortoises and some of them are... Yeah, that's it. And some of them are that... Yeah. And they have, you have to make provision for them, you know. You, you yeah. have to have your own kids to take care of the tortoises. <laughs> they... Otherwise, who's gonna? Yeah. yeah They're exactly. gonna outlive you. Louis is not a tortoise. And no. We're all the poorer for it. No. There's a, also a very touching scene where, like, David Michael insists on sleeping in the living room with Louis with for his Louis. last night. Oh. I think that was the know, point yeah. where I just started howling. Um, yeah, it's like it was getting choked so up and, yeah. And poor David Michael, I actually genuinely feel like he gets quite a bad deal in these books. Yeah, yeah, especially the way that Christie has established he has such a close bond with um with Louis. And oh yeah, no, that is that is genuinely very um like very sad. But yeah. you also do take away from it that it is it is such a necessary kind of thing to do, even if it's like gutting. That's, I think that's why she had to go so hard on the descriptions because of what was happening with poor Louis because she wanted 10-year-olds to take home that it was necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. And, oh God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, then they take him to the vet and he's really good and it's like, it's really sad. Random ladies in the waiting room are crying 
Uh, mm-hmm. Random ladies reading this book in their mid thirties are crying. Everyone's yeah. crying. Everyone's crying <laughs> over a fictional dog that got put down thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, fiction. Yeah. Yep. Hey, look! I still cry every time I read about like Laura's dog um, dying in a little house in the prairie. So. Oh God! Uh, doesn't he die off screen? The brindle or- bulldog. Oh no, he dies like the night before they move because he can't face another move. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I actually can't remember the details, I but I know that if I read it, I'd cry. Yeah, it's it's at the start of By the Shores of Silver Lake when like they're leaving uh, Plum Creek and he's really old and he, they're like, yeah, I guess he just couldn't face another journey and they have to like bury him in the morning and leave. <sighs> this is worse than that. This, this is, I think this is officially sadder than that. And, I like, think so. Jack is, Jack is a very good dog, but this is... This is just heartbreaking. <laughs> then they have a funeral, and let's talk about that. Yeah, the funeral is the funeral. Um, it, it is a is a beautiful uh, interlude <laughs> in in multiple senses. Obviously, Karen suggests a funeral. Ah, Karen, where would we be without her? Yeah, and I, I like the bit where Karen and Christy are arguing over whether or not to have R.I.P. on the tombstone. Um, yes. <laughs> Karen is like, uh, Christy's like, no, it's kind of tacky. And Karen's like, no, that's it has to have R.I.P. It needs to be there. It's what's on all the tombstones. Ah. Yes, Christy says initials are tacky like Xmas. <laughs> that, that, this is just arbitrary. R.I.P. is perfectly respectable. So they, they settle for the boys, the, the older boys make a cross and they write rest in peace, but the letters are I and P are real big, so it's mm-hmm. a compromise. <laughs> I feel like this was some good, um, some good negotiating on uh, Sam and Charlie's part. I think that yeah. was there's some good sensitivity going on here. Who were probably also like, oh my god, our dog is dead. Could you not? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Sam and Charlie are sort of very believably really upset, and also don't want anyone to see them cry. Yeah. yeah. Christy reckons that's why they didn't go to the vet because they were afraid that they'd cry. And like, yeah. it's very like, yeah, they're really sad, but they're also teenage boys who have to prove their manliness. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, they, they express their pain through woodwork. Uh, they go make a cross. They <laughs> um, write a compromise the RIP on it. And then they have to sing a song. Yes. Um, so, it was established at the very beginning of the book that. Louis, um, somebody, possibly David Michael, Michael. had identified a song which um, they all love, which is called Brother Louis, and um, which uh, Louis really gets into whenever he hears his name um, in the chorus and he howls along when he he hears the name. Um, So it's apparently it says something along the lines of when you get to the bit where in the chorus where it says Louis, 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 he howls like yeah. oh that's cool um so anyway i i thought the first time i was reading this that this particular song was louis louis yeah you yeah. know louis the much louis more louis. famous one yeah so that's yeah. that's we all thought that going like before we reread we, we all, all thought, thought that. that and so rereading i was like no it's called brother louis what's brother louis so i looked this up and <laughs> <laughs> and you were not disappointed. I was not disappointed. Um, I actually, I woke up the girls on WhatsApp and I was like, guys, I need you to like, I need you to watch this video right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like midnight. It was, it was midnight because I was, uh, I was, I had read the book in one go actually. Um, and was like, yeah, this is depressing. I'm going to, yeah, I'll see what this song is. And then it was such an amazing change of pace. So um, the song that I got is approximately the right time period and it's by a band called Modern Talking. 
which like that's mm-hmm. not a phrase. It's, it's, it's <laughs> that, not that, a phrase. That name makes my eye twitch in irritation. Like that's not an expression. But modern talking had a whole bunch of hits. It turns out, um, uh, in German. Yes, they? they were German. They were German. I they think that's g- a very important piece of content. I think it is extremely they, relevant. They still are German. They had a like. Their most recent album was like 2018. Oh gosh! <laughs> um, and they uh, so there's there's a pair of guys. Guys, if you're actually all of our listeners should just go and listen to this song on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah, you also really need to see the video because it's aggressively 80s. The video is wonderful. Oh so wow! It's, it's Brother Louis by Modern Talking, uh, and uh, so it's just it's there's the feathered hair. And the fake tan that um, yeah. particularly on one of the singers gets darker, like as the video goes <laughs> along. I was like, oh God, it's, it's, what's going on here? And there's a whole bunch of random footage cut in of this um, movie set in the 1920s that has no relation oh, to yes. anything else. So actually, I showed the video to my husband. Uh-huh. Uh, I was like, you have to stop your very valuable job and come over here and look at this right now. <laughs> um, and he watched it he was suitably appalled then he went down a googling rabbit hole uh-huh. uh, the clips are from the movie once upon a time in america ah. uh, which is about like italian gangsters um yeah you would not know this from the clips it looks like it's a sweet movie about romance mm-hmm. it is unclear why any of these clips are interspersed into this music video <laughs> i can't believe that the song was on the soundtrack for a lot of time in America. <laughs> no. Uh, so, um, yeah. And one of them has a very relentless grin and his shirt is open like all the way down and he's playing a guitar and he's, he looks a bit like... <laughs> He's oh really God. enjoying this whole thing. <laughs> and it's, it, I, I think as, uh, Aoife, your comment was long, something along the lines of, thanks, I really wish I could get that German pop monstrosity out of my head. Yeah. Um, oh, my theory on Once Upon a Time in America, by the way, uh, the clips, is that uh, somebody involved in the making of the music video at some stage uttered the phrase, uh, guess what I, for some reason, have copyright to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah that makes as much sense. sense as anything. Yeah. Also, I think we should give a brief shout out to the, what was it, 1998 remix of the song? Oh, oh I was going to talk about that. Yeah, for there's sure. There's some yes, rap in it also that yes. time. Yes. yes. So there's another version from 1998, which opens with a rap. And there, the rest of it is just, it's a very similar song apart from that, but there's so, it's so 1998. It's at least as 1998 as the previous one was 80s. It's just like, yes. wow, there's, gold just these music videos are so of their time it hurts they're yeah, wonderful there's and so I was many like, women in tight gold dresses now oh. i have i have not found an example but i know that they released an album in 2018 and i will be really really sad if they didn't have a 2018 update <laughs> of, of brother, louis. brother louis which involves i was thinking what could it have and then I was like, it'll have to have the millennial squawk in it. It's gonna have to, have, <laughs> yeah, brother, yeah. So anyway, I was like, could they actually be saying that the the dog likes this song? And when it gets to brother Louis Louis Louis, he goes, oh, I guess that could happen. That maybe is what they're describing. Um, and then I kept listening, and now that at this point it's like one in the morning, and I'm like, oh no, girls, I think it's the song by Hot Chocolate from the eight from the seventies. Which is also called Brother Louie. Which is I woke up good. to the hot chocolate revelations, by the way. I went to sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Never apologize. I told you, this is the content we want from you. This is nothing that you should have... This is the opposite of apology material. <laughs> this is the good shit. The fact that you do stuff like this is why I asked you to be in a podcast with me. <laughs> so... Anna Martin, I feel, would probably be more likely to know about a song from the 70s. Mm -hmm, Um, And the Hot Chocolate song is a bit, it's kind of less relentless in terms of the beat. Um, So maybe Louis is more of a, a, like, 70s kind of soul fan than um, an 80s synth pop um, (laughs) dog. Yeah, Anna Martin refers to it at one point as a rock song. Neither mm-hmm. of these songs is rock by any stretch of the imagination. No. Is, could you describe Louie Louie as in the, from the 60s? The Kingsman Yes. One. Yeah, the Kingsman. Could that be described as rock? Rock yes, and roll? Yes, definitely. Rock and roll. Well, maybe, maybe that's what the dog actually liked. Yeah, maybe she just got the name wrong. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Well, we were sort of toying with the idea that maybe an, she put that in and an editor was like, no, 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 Anne, let's put in something more current. There's a song called Brother Louis and she was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, I do think it's probably going to be the hot chocolate one, but it could be the... I, yeah. This is... I honestly, this is the one mystery that I think Anna M. Martin could solve for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we were to reach out to her via her publishers. Because she's got nothing else on at the moment. She definitely hasn't been doing a gigantic media blitz for the Netflix <laughs> show or anything like that. Maybe this is something that she's been dying for years to set the record straight about. Maybe, Maybe. somebody changed it without checking with her. <gasps> um, But yeah, so anyway, they have a lovely touching funeral ceremony in which they play whatever this dog's favourite song was. Yes. <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing at the notion that they were playing <laughs> the, <laughs> the German <laughs> 80s version of it. Because um, these um these books are like, they're, they're kind of ageless in a way. It's just some past modern time prior to mobile phones. And that's fine most of the time. But I love it when you were just dragged kicking and screaming into the 80s, which (laughs) they're properly said it. And I was really happy with that notion. Anna Martin doesn't really do music very well. I get that impression. She's very vague about it. Um, She's really specific about books, like kids' books especially. She even recommends a good book to help small children get over the death of a pet in this yeah. Yeah, so so it's just hilarious how vague she is about music. Yeah, <laughs> she I just know. makes shit up with like I think she's like don't forget, she was writing these before Google. So yeah, that's true. she yeah. just was basically like, What do I want to expend my energy on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Writing these books or researching a plausible band for a twelve year old to like. That has a song I'll with the word Louie in it. Just mm-hmm. write the book. My theory is that she thinks rock music is any music that young people listen to or have listened to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think just yeah. she's where the rest of us would say, I mean, okay, pop now is a specific genre as opposed to popular music, but she's using it to mean popular music. Yeah, it's just... Basically, chart music. The youth. Mm-hmm. It's what the youth listen to. Yeah. So that could mean a sad soul ballad about doomed interracial romance, or it could mean 80s nonsense about who the fuck knows what. <laughs> yeah. It- yeah, I've, I've listened to the lyrics a few times and I'm not sure what's going on there. It sounds like it, there is a romance and it's not going well, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the specifics. That's really the most educated guess you can get out of these lyrics. They're not, <laughs> yeah. they're, they do not, they're, they're not loaded with semantic intent. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. 
um yeah they were they made me so happy to watch it was just such like nonsense yeah. it was a great palate cleanser <laughs> yes, after the tragedy really yes <laughs> leave us a comment somewhere if you have strong opinions on uh... hit us up with a tiktok about what song you think this was <laughs> we don't Ooh, have TikTok. tiktok i deleted the app because i was afraid of the chinese government <laughs> hit us up with a tiktok and then post a link to the tiktok on our facebook page <laughs> Oh, we're actually least active there. You should probably try Twitter or Tumblr. Yeah, or Instagram. Oh yeah, we have one of those. Actually, the Instagram is where we post the least and it has the most followers out of all of our social media channels. Oh, um, oops. Yeah. I, I don't quite know what to do about that. You should screenshot all my Tumblr posts and put them there. Good point. You should do that. I should screenshot all your tweets and put them on Tumblr. <laughs> I think the internet just ate itself. That's how the internet works these that's days. True. That is the entirety of the internet. Good point. Then we should make a sound cloud that's just us reading the tweets. <laughs> and then we'll put a video on YouTube which just screencaps the tweets with the sound cloud playing behind it. <laughs> Guys. I know. I'll put all of this in a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> and then I'll turn that into an animation which we can upload to TikTok. Yes. <laughs> That's a cool <laughs> thing that kids these days would do. I mean, totally. This they is fucking entirely PowerPoint animation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think we all broke ourselves. <laughs> I, I think we have to incorporate some kind of Twitch content. <laughs> we can stream the PowerPoint. One of one of us well, can react us... to tweets while one of yeah. us is playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, all the snobs turn up to the funeral and they have a touching bonding moment. Um, that's the funeral, and then. Christy is minding the Delaney's again, who, through well-meaning curiosity, keep forcing her to relive her trauma and are asking her for the fifth time about how and why Louis died. Oh my um, God. Which, like, they, for once they mean well, but this sounds excruciating. Yeah. And then Shannon turns up uh, with an adorable puppy. Because mm -hmm. it turns out her dog, Astrid of Grenville, was a girl dog, which Christy did not know because she thought Astrid was a boy's name. Um... And Astrid has had puppies and Shannon wants to give her one of them, mm -hmm. which is adorable. And she sounds very cute. And I googled what six-week-old Bernese Mountain Dog puppies look like. Oh. And I was not prepared for how cute they are. They just look <laughs> like big teddy bears. They're very, very, very cute. <laughs> yeah. And Amanda says that they have to be careful bringing her in the house because she might pee in the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> and it cost two thousand dollars so mm -hmm. they they take her into the kitchen they play with her and then christy calls she calls her mom to get permission to keep the puppy and her mom was like yeah we were going to do that anyway so it's fine uh which is very mm -hmm. convenient. this way it's free yay yeah. and then <laughs> she calls david michael to come over and meet the puppy and he the first thing he says is that he doesn't want her because she isn't louie and then he starts cuddling her and mm -hmm. then i started crying again yeah, um, and they decide to name her Shannon, which is <laughs> hilariously passive aggressive, and I love. I love that. It, it was love that was it. David Michael's suggestion. Yes, and and clearly meant in a completely wholesome way, but also Absolutely. naming a dog after someone kind of feels mm -hmm. like it is. 
yeah. Even an incredibly adorable dog. Very that you know expensive is... dog. Yes. <laughs> the, what oh. I quite liked about this whole thing is that they, you have several scenes post after this point where they're like, okay, so she's too small to leave her mum just yet. Um, we want to uh, keep the puppies with Astrid for another few weeks. Um, but what Shannon is doing is she keeps bringing the the um, the puppy Shannon over to play with them and meet them and visit them. And I'm like, that's actually really um, a nice way of doing it. Yes. Yeah. Um, if you, if you can, I mean, like, it's yeah, not always. two doors down from your breeder. Yeah. Yeah, from the... yeah, exactly. Yes. But it's a nice way. Yeah. Cause it's so much easier on the poor pup than like suddenly mm-hmm. strange place, strange people. Bye. Yeah. And yeah. also the pup is going to be living a couple of doors down from its mother, which is a pretty which sweet is lovely. thing yeah. for, yeah. <clears throat> Dogs and cats. So yes, that was, that was quite, um, ideal circumstances <laughs> if oh, you're okay. gonna have a purebred dog as opposed to a fucking yes. rescue which you should be yeah. going for uh, so i <laughs> hilarious digression mm-hmm. um i was talking to my mother recently and she was telling me that her friend had got a rescue dog mm-hmm. and over the course of the conversation with her friend it transpired that my mother does not know what that term means and thought oh. that her friend had got a Saint Bernard with a little barrel of brandy around its neck. <laughs> people in the mountains. And she kept asking her friend, like, but how is he gonna rescue people? Like you live in Rathfarnham. <laughs> no, he's a rescue dog. <laughs> and they just went round and round in circles for like several minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh I'm sure there are plenty of people in Rathfarnham who could do with being rescued by <laughs> a dog with a barrel of brandy around its neck I yeah. mean halfway through most work days I'm yeah. not in Rathfarnham <laughs> but if you wanted to show up with an alcoholic beverage and a cute dog I would take that as a kindness Yes, <laughs> I'm sure that most people who like dogs would be delighted to have their work day <laughs> interrupted by a dog with a beverage which is most people in fairness uh that's okay yeah that's amazing i know (laughs) i love it i know i was like what did you think about the fact that we got a rescue cat and she's like well people don't use that expression do they and i was like yes people say that all the time it's an extremely common expression (laughs) (laughs) oh well i love how sometimes you can just miss something yep it's because it doesn't fit with what you expected to hear. Also, my cat would tell you to fuck off if you needed rescuing. He's a very nice cat, but he would not rescue anyone. That's 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 fair and reasonable. He knows his own boundaries and he sticks to them. Yes, exactly. Cats are good at that. So, yeah, there's just kind of a little wrap-up chapter where the girls are hanging out. Claudia blows a giant bubblegum bubble and gets bubblegum in her eyelashes, which made me laugh more than it had any right to. Um, yeah. Shannon comes over with puppy Shannon and they invite her to join the Babysitter's Club, but it turns out she's super busy with lots of after-school commitments. So she's going to be an associate member like Logan. And um, everyone feels good. And that's the end of the book hmm. yeah i'm not i'm not really reconciled to shannon at all no she was really awful i feel like maybe anna martin isn't reconciled to her either because she's not in it very much as i recall after this like no they they reach a grudging acceptance but then they don't actually hang out with her in any meaningful way yeah shannon doesn't do much i think that's a weird the the death of louis everything to do with louis was handled so well in this book yeah and it seems like how human psychology works when it comes to anything bar pet death 
was absolutely not. Yeah. And that's this, I mean, we can see where Anna Martin put all of her effort in. Yes. And, I mean, in fairness, that is the main plot of the book and stuff. Yeah. But, yes. Um, the, the interpersonal stuff is not handled quite as well. But I I was really impressed by this book, to be honest. I was yeah. kind of, I, I expected it would kind of mildly bum me out. Um, but not have any real impact. I am not a big crier. I cry on average about once a year. My 2020 cry was this book. Um, it was not the terrifying global cataclysm in which we are presently embroiled. It was this fictional dog that was put down 30 years ago. Um, and you know what? It earned it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. I, I was not expecting it to like have the emotional impact because it didn't when I was a kid. I think I read it and was like, that's kind of sad and got on with my day. Mm-hmm. This was not how it hit me as an adult. How did your kid take it? She did think it was pretty sad, but I, she, I think she handled it better than me. Um, <laughs> I, I had no defenses against this. Yeah. To be fair, I wasn't a sobbing wreck. I was more. I, I, I choked up, and there were some tears on a couple of pa- a couple of places. But I didn't do the sobbing mess thing. I too have had my twenty twenty cry, but I'd already had it a couple months ago, uh, a couple weeks ago. So yeah, well, there you go. Fine. So I mean, you can't do two cries in a year. Like no, that would be better be anarchy. Dish. I mean, this just it would seem unnecessary, frankly. Yes, exactly. I mean, I've sobbed twice in twelve months. I'm an emotional wreck. God, no. I mean, there's a, such a thing as standards. Yeah, no. I liked this. It was one that I had not read a lot as a kid. I think probably because the the well written bit of it was sad. Yeah. And the rest of it was sort of an irritating prank war. Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't read this more than once. I, I almost definitely did read it more than once, but not nearly as often as I would have read some of the others. Uh, like, it was a lot less fresh in my mind. And yeah, I continue to be super impressed at how Anne Martin keeps actually foreshadowing stuff really well. This yes. is all very clearly plotted out in advance and everything. It's great. Yeah, like, she's clearly also setting stuff up for the, the Karen... The little sister books, like she's, yes. she's fleshing out the small kids in the rich neighborhood, the, the Papadakuses and the... The Delaney's. The Delaney's. Delaney's, yes. Sorry, yeah. I'm just thinking of them as children of the corn. Yeah, the thing that struck me, uh, like in terms of random stuff that happens in the book, is um, Karen Brewer going off again about the hauntedness of the house and how old Ben Brewer is still you know, floating around the attics or what have you, um, and that he was crazy and that he ate fried dandelions and that this is proof of his craziness. Um, And I was like, I have the internet because I remember her saying, like, I read a load of the Little Sister books and she's always going on about fried dandelions and it comes up in loads of other books as well. They're illegitimate food stuff. Yeah, well, exactly. So I Googled it and there are millions of recipes for fried dandelions um, because they're effectively a vegetable yeah, uh, yeah so and it turns out to be an appalachian regional specialty that makes sense so i was like well i now i'm thinking that like ben brewer is a really interesting historical character yes, who like yeah. came to connecticut you know having made his millions and just retained a few like down home traditions exactly yeah i think uh, i yeah. just being judgy and posh uh <laughs> yes my, my family foraged for dandelions during the great depression um oh. Really? Wow. Uh, yes. That uh, they were totally a food. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> Karen's just being weird here, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Ben, ben Brewer is not the weird one. I am going to stop weeding my lawn 
And I'm going to eat the weeds. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't weed my lawn anyway. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) Yes, but now you can claim it's a a principle. Then it's harvesting. Our current excuse is that it's good for the bees. Yes. Um, I have bad for the neighbor's gardens, uh, seed heads. But, you know, yeah, I'll start eating them. Yeah, you're, you're raising them. It's permaculture now. And then one day you can haunt the attic of your own house. <laughs> I mean, goals, frankly. Yeah. Also, yes. Yeah, so when Karen talks about this, then she and Don talk about how there's a haunted secret passage in Don's house. Mm-hmm. And this is all the continuity that was not in evidence during <laughs> that super mystery that we will never speak of again. <laughs> yep. I think we're going to talk about the super mystery a lot. Yes. I think we're <laughs> in a very grudging tone of voice. Mention it angrily. Yeah. No, as soon as Karen started talking about Ben Brewer, I thought about that super mystery and was annoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um in some this book is really good on sort of explaining mortality to kids who are about of the age to have a beloved pet die and really not great on class warfare. Yeah, and really ambiguous on popular music. <laughs> ambiguous on popular music, and also kind of psychological techniques for getting your own way. <laughs> like <laughs> these should come with a health warning. Do not don't do not try this yeah. at home. Yes. Or <laughs> try them in a safe environment where it doesn't matter if they fail spectacularly. If you must. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Pranks are bad. Eat the rich. Have we all turned on the Zoom thing that makes you look prettier? No. No, where's I that? I think there's a feature in Zoom. I don't know, but I know I turned it on ages ago. You look perfectly fine. I don't know what to contrast it against. I haven't seen I your real face is, in ages. I think there's some, kind of, um, there's some kind of setting. It's like face smoothing or something. It's important that we all look our best for this podcast that we're recording. <laughs> so... I remember having a fever dream nightmare when I was mm-hmm. about four about having to clean up all the toys after the Late Late Toy Show. <laughs> oh my god! That is the most Irish thing you have ever said. <laughs> god, though, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just this, I was imagining this giant room full of chaotic, messy piles of toys and like I think I woke up crying. Oh. Yeah, it's like it's like a kid's dream, but the horrible flip side of the coin. Like a monkey's paw. I want to be involved in the toy show. Okay, I have you did to the clean, clean it up. <laughs> yeah. Where do they even go? Yeah. Oh. Jesus Christ, I went over to close the curtain and it's now more open than it was. <laughs> <laughs> do that anyway this is how we are as people um and how good we are at things yeah. <laughs> it's still kind of open jesus christ <laughs> <laughs>